0: This one wasn't actually all that bad. Granted, coming off the heels of the Autobot run, pretty much anything looks decent by comparison. Well, anything not made by Michael Bay. Even I have standards. Don't get me wrong, this isn't a good episode. It's just not terrible. The plot doesn't meander off into absurd directions or obvious padding, the animation isn't a mess, and it doesn't require a huge suspension of dis- well, okay. They have me there. Two out of three ain't bad. But it has an exclamation point in the title. Surely that has to count for something. The Decepticons, whom you'll note have been living under the ocean since early in season one, suddenly realize they have some neighbors down there, some kind of fish people living in a nation they call Sub-Atlantica, not Atlantis. Maybe they were worried about being sued or something, I'm not sure, but it's made very clear that Sub-Atlantica is legally distinct from that other undersea kingdom, even though the title of the episode mentions Atlantis and not Sub-Atlantica. Well, whatever. So Megatron makes a pact with Nurgill, leader of Sub-Atlantica. Nurgill communicates telepathically, but he's also able to scramble the more treacherous orders he gives to his minions so Megatron can't understand. Except that Soundwave cracks the code in about 30 seconds. The two evil overlords decide to pool their resources for a ballsy assault on the surface world, starting with Washington, D.C. They begin fitting Sub-Atlantica with rockets of some kind in preparation for its journey upward from the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean. I mention this last bit because the inevitable Autobot assault includes Spike, protected from the untamed depths of the sea by a green speedo and a pair of goggles. But then the physics of being underwater aren't what I'd call strictly observed by the creators of this episode anyway. Or did I forget to mention how the jets fly around underwater in the same manner they fly through the air? Alright, alright, it's just a show. I should really just relax. The Autobot raiding party fails to accomplish anything apart from getting Wheeljack captured. Before his abduction, he bravely manages to seal his comrades into a cave of some kind, which somehow allows them to escape. I think we might be missing a scene here. Nurgill holds Wheeljack in a secret lab, where he intends to study the prisoner and work out a way to incapacitate Transformers. Pretty sneaky, fish. So Sub-Atlantica arises, and the assault on DC commences. Apparently the Sub-Atlanticans are really into D&D because they deploy something called the Dome of Invulnerability. Nerds. Meanwhile, our Autobot team has run home and brought back the cavalry, which heads in to save the day. Emphasizing the importance of rescuing Wheeljack, Optimus assigns his two strongest guys to the task, Bumblebee and Spike. Yeah, I guess he wants Wheeljack to stay missing. I know we're about due for a huge influx of new Autobots any episode now, so maybe he's just trying to make room. But Spike and Bumblebee head off regardless. Notice how they break from the group and take the exit for the Chesapeake Bay, or as it says in another shot, the Chesapeake Bay. Now this is one area where I'm fairly knowledgeable. I spent 90% of my life in DC and the surrounding areas, and I'm pretty sure there's no exit off the beltway that goes into the bay. Then again, I wasn't driving in 1985, so maybe there was one, and they just took it down in the meantime. The combined forces of the Decepticons and Sub-Atlanticons actually make pretty quick work of the Autobots, and Optimus is forced to call in the Dinobots to bail them out. Now here's where this episode turns the corner from standard dumb 80s cartoon plot to genuinely entertaining bit of meta humor. Grimlock and company stomp in to save the day, but he spends the entire time insulting Optimus Prime and bemoaning the fact that they only call the Dinobots when they need something. In other words, a character basically turns to the camera and directly criticizes the writers for constantly using the Dinobots as an easy escape hatch when their plots become too impossible to resolve otherwise. It ain't quite Joss Whedon, but it's a substantial improvement over, oh, I don't know, the Autobot run. Have I mentioned how much I utterly loathe that episode? Really? So the Dinobots save the day the Sub-Atlanticans' treachery is discovered and called out by, of all people, Starscream. And then Sub-Atlantica is utterly destroyed. Every good children's cartoon could use an ending that involves genocide from time to time. Hooray! And now it's time for this week's historical architecture lesson. The Washington Monument is apparently made of soft clay. And the statue of Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial just comes right off the pedestal. Who knew? I don't have an actual quote this week. Instead, I'd like to show this scene of the Autobots playing football with Spike. You'll note that the game includes the Dinobots, whom we've regularly seen portrayed as the strongest of all the current Transformers. The password is child endangerment.